0: Welcome in everyone to a new edition of the not another bucking podcast. I'm your host Nick Kosmider Broncos beat reporter for the athletic. Uh, We have a great guest here in just a minute Chancellor Johnson um, of the local NBC affiliate in Houston is going to join us uh, known Chancellor and followed his work for a long time fellow Arizona State grad so um, he has been covering the Texans now for for two, two seasons. Uh, and has been there kind of from the ground floor as they've as they've started this new new era there in Houston. So he's going to give us some great insight on CJ Stroud, D'Amico Ryans, and what they've been able to put together and, and the challenge that they will pose for the Broncos on Sunday. The game against the Texans begins a three-game road trip for the Broncos. This is only the fourth time in the Super Bowl era that the Broncos have had a three-game road trip um, in December. And so this is going to, to to really kind of ultimately be the decider of whether this team gets into the playoffs. We've talked about it before. They probably need to go ten and seven um, to, to have a pretty good shot of getting into the playoffs. That means five and two uh, fr- from here. I'm sorry, four and two from where we're where we're standing now over their final six games. It's Texans at Chargers at Lions. They then come home for a Christmas Eve game against the Patriots, followed by another home game against the Chargers, and then finishing the, the season on the road against the Raiders. So, uh, again, this game against the Texans is pivotal because of the, the tiebreaker in play. Both teams are 6-5 and five, right there, uh, hovering around the number 7 spot in the AFC playoff field. Um, massive, massive game for the Broncos. A um, couple of other housekeeping keeping items. Uh, Kareem Jackson, who is currently serving a four-game suspension, which will you know, have him miss his opportunity to go back and play in Houston where he had so many good years with the Texans. Um, he told reporters at a charity event on Tuesday night that he is flying out to New York on Wednesday to have a meeting with Commissioner Roger Goodell to try to gain some clarity about why he has been uh, flagged, ejected, suspended as heavily as he has fined for for the hits that he's had this this year he told reporters i've been playing the same way this year that i have my entire career um and and so he's struggling to understand why it has come um you know as quickly as it has this year in terms of the spate of uh, of all those punishments um so that's something to watch again kareem says don't know how much is going to come of this but but he is being proactive in terms of trying to figure out um you know how how he can how can he adjust his play to, to avoid, um, you know, that the hits that have really kept him out of a huge chunk of this season uh, other, uh, other places, the Broncos are, are, are pretty good roster wise. Um, this team has been pretty healthy throughout the season. Um, you know, no, no significant injuries that they are dealing with now. We'll of course have um, more of an update as we go to practice on, on Wednesday. Uh, but for now, this is a team that heads into this, this three game road trip. Um, you know, about as healthy as a team can be at the beginning of December in the NFL. And and that is going to be huge. So without further ado, let's get to our conversation uh, with Chancellor Johnson. So excited to welcome this week's guest to the Not Another Bucking podcast, Chancellor Johnson of KPRC2 uh, broadcast in Houston. Um, Houston native. Uh, who So has followed the Texans for a long time has been doing great work covering them. And most importantly, a fellow ASU alum, um, Chancellor, man, thanks so much for having me or, or for joining me, rather.
1: <laughs> no problem, man. Always happy to join another, uh, a fellow Sun Devil. Uh, it's always good when two Arizona state and Cronkite guys link up for sure.
0: Yeah. And we will, we won't spend any time talking about, um, you know, talking about the season because who needs, who needs to do that. Uh,
1: <laughs> we don't want to bore anybody with that.
0: <laughs> right. Um Look man, this is who who kind of would have thought um you know a, a while back about this being kind of a marquee matchup going into week 13. I mean, this is a this is a game that they flexed into um a 12 noon central spot so that essentially everybody in the country if you look at the coverage map is going to see this game. Um so my as my first question is like what what are people what is this kind of national audience going to see with this this Houston Texans team that has really kind of um you know caught the league by storm in terms of just how quickly they've turned things around under D'Amico Ryans and CJ Stroud
1: yeah absolutely you know for a, a game like this, I think CBS uh, made the right decision in flexing this game because this is the biggest game to me of the week outside of what you have uh, the 49ers and, and the Eagles because this is a yeah. must win game for both teams this this could be the difference in Who gets into the playoffs versus who doesn't, who gets that, maybe that final wild card spot at the end of the, uh, at the end of the year here. And so, uh, as you just mentioned, a lot of the national audience hasn't got a chance to see CJ Stroud on a kind of that, that national scale because they haven't had any of the, uh, Monday night or Sunday night games as, uh, maybe as we've seen, like with the Denver Broncos. And so all you've been able to do is watch some of the highlights, maybe on YouTube or see some of the clips of CJ Stroud putting up an MVP like performance for most of the season. And, and really, carrying this ball club as a rookie, and so they're in for for a treat. This is an, an explosive offense that can put up points. They have talent on the on the defense as well, and so you mix that together with, as I mentioned, a very important game long term for potentially who gets into the playoffs. Uh, it'll, it'll be a really good one uh, come Sunday at NRG Stadium.
0: Yeah, you, you mentioned CJ Stroud. I, I want to stay with him for a little bit because you're right, man. He, he has been he has been phenomenal. He's been dynamic. Um, you know, he leads one of the best passing offenses in the NFL, and he's done it while not turning the ball over, which you just don't see from from rookie quarterbacks a whole lot. My question for you is: when obviously they knew, um, and they knew his Ohio State credentials, that they knew what he did in the pre-draft process, but when did you start getting a sense that that he was going to have this kind of season or that he was on track to do something, um, you know, special to the to this degree? Because As much as people might have had very favorable views of C.J. Stroud before the draft, um, you know, I don't know how much of the football viewing world thought that they were going to see this so quickly in year one.
1: You know what? I I think it was after they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers at home and it was uh, after they had the J.J. Watt Ring of Honor because, look, he, he had, he showed some flashes obviously like during preseason and then through the first couple of games, but. You were wondering if what he was doing was sustainable, right? Whether it was not turning the ball over early on, because if you remember, what his very first drive in the preseason it was an interception, and then we saw all the memes come out, like "Oh, another Ohio State quarterback," right? And then after that, he really hasn't turned the ball over much, uh, really since then. And so um, he's had a a number of 300-yard performances. He's had a number of games where he's had three touchdowns or whatever. But like, could, could they? You know, you were wondering if NFL defenses were eventually going to adjust, and the and the rookie was going to come back down to earth. But he just kept going, and then we we saw him uh, put together drives late in games, whether that was against the Bengals or whether that was against uh, the Bucks, and, and when having just forty six seconds left, and and that's when you say you were able to say, "Hey, the Houston Texans had a franchise QB." But for a long time, you it, it was it, it was hard to believe that that this rookie was going to be able to have the performances that he was having, and and if uh, and don't let anybody tell you that. They saw it coming because even the Houston Texans, even though they'll try to tell you that they didn't see that coming either, because if they did, if they knew that this rookie QB was going to have these type of performances and that he was going to break these type of records and and look like an MVP type candidate, they would have traded up from number two to number one to go get him. So even though they say, "Oh, we always believe in CJ," no, no one, maybe except CJ Stroud, knew that he would be this good this quickly. And not just being uh, the best rookie QB, he's, I'd argue he's for sure been a top 10 QB regardless of experience this year.
0: Yeah. And, and he's, you know, again, you you mentioned the the lack of turnovers. I believe it's only five interceptions all season. Um, You know, it's, it's among the lowest in the league. Russell Wilson is right there with only four picks this year. Um, But, but how has he, what is, how has he balanced that? Right? Because Again, I think they have the number two passing offense in the NFL with, with just like the, the, um, you know, the, the lack of, of giveaways. A lot of times those two things aren't going hand in hand like they are. So how,
1: what, what is, what has allowed him to kind of balance those two things? Well, you know, we actually talked to him about that, you know, his ability to not turn the ball over. And and actually early on, he probably showed more about strip sacks a a little bit earlier versus making the the decisions and the reads that he was uh, as far as turning the ball over through interceptions and and picks like that. Um, And he said it kind of goes back to his Ohio state days. And then it was drilled into him that the most important thing to do, obviously for a quarterback is to protect the ball. And I think it also helps that he's so accurate. And that was probably one of his best tools coming out of the draft is his accuracy, is his pinpoint ball placement. And so he doesn't put the he doesn't really put the ball in position to to really be turned over a ton. And then he just finds the open man. He'll take what the defense gives him. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, this is an explosive offense, so they'll definitely take shots down the field, whether that's through Tank Dale, another phenomenal rookie. And if it wasn't for CJ Shroud, he'd have a case for offensive rookie of the year along with Puka Nakua, Um Nico Collins, uh, who's who's really had his breakout year that a lot of people have been waiting for him to have. And it's funny because you have an Ohio State quarterback throwing to a, Michigan, uh, yes. to a Michigan wide receiver. They've been able to develop a really great chemistry there and, and having the veteran presence of a Robert Woods. So when he got drafted to the Houston Texans, to that point about you know not turning the ball over, it, it helps that he's had some really reliable weapons that a lot of people didn't believe that he had coming into the situation to begin the year. Now, some of it is the talent has stepped up, and some of it has been C.J. Shroud making the right plays and, and finding the open man. And so it's been a combination of both that's been uh, having the Houston Texans have the second best passing attack in the NFL.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned Tank Dell. It seems like, he, you know, obviously a guy that played college ball there in Houston. Um, what, because it seems like he, you know, ha- had a, he's been productive kind of throughout the season, but really has come on, has come on late. Where where have you seen him, you know, sort of elevate his game and, and just to be able to kind of play with the confidence and produce the way that he has been producing?
1: You, you know, earlier on, going back to training camp, it seemed like Tank Dale and C.J. Stroud had this instant connection. And you can actually go back to even before the two were drafted, where uh, I actually got a chance to talk to Tank, covering him at, the university of Houston. And right, uh, right after he got drafted, I said, Hey, what do you think about your new rookie QBs? It's going to be, you guys will be a rookie duo coming to the year. How will that help you guys? And he told me the story about this kind of out there now that uh, he and CJ shout actually connected uh, pre-draft. And then when he got drafted on day one, he told him, congratulations. And he's told CJ now tell them to come get me. And CJ said, Hey, I got you. And sure enough, here we are, as they are now the, to me, oh, not even to me, they, they are the, the most dynamic rookie duo offensively that we've seen uh, in yeah. the league this year. And so, you know, they list him at 5'10, but he's really probably about 5'8. Like I, I stand over him, I'm not that tall, right? But uh, he's about 5'8, probably about a buck 65. And he is, he is just embarrassing a lot of. The offensive backs, um, whether they're young offensive backs or, or, or have a little more experience. And I think it's because of his route running. And that's something that we saw going back to his University of Houston days. And and the reason why the Houston Texans liked him so much coming out of college, because the guy is a playmaker. And so they were, I think, they're, they're surprised by the production of CJ Stroud. And I think they have to be surprised by the production of Tank Dell as well, because he's been their best. Weapon overall this year. Nico Collins, as I mentioned, has had a his breakout year, but it's it's him and Tank Dale that, you know, whether it's over the middle or whether it's deep down the field, they they always seem to find each other. Even if you go back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game on the the 46-second drive, everybody wants to talk about the Tank Dale catch to win the game in the back of the end zone. But right before that, two plays earlier to set them up in that position, he had a he had a long reception down the sideline and get his toes in toe tapping. And it was, it was like a 30 yard pickup to yeah. basically put them in the position to ultimately win that game. So tank Dale and CJ Stroud, they will be a really good duo for years to come.
0: Yeah, no, they, they've been, they've been exciting to watch. The the other thing that, that really intrigues me, or one of the other things that really intrigues me about this game is the coaching matchup. Obviously these are two coaches who are in their first year at their respect with the respective franchises. But Sean Payton, of course, had 15 other seasons as a head coach in New Orleans. This is D'Amico Ryan's first head coaching job back in Houston, where he where he played for most of his career. Um, And and it's an interesting because the Broncos had a lot of interest in, in Ryan's. Um, that was that was pretty well known. There was some, um you know, debate toward the end of the process, just how much the Broncos were really trying to make. a a final push there but Ryan's of course has said the whole time that this was the place you know for him this was home um and it certainly seems like that a he has been embraced by that by that community but, but but vice versa he has um sort of really uh been embraced by by his players by his team as well what on the ground just give me an insight as to um you know how he has been able to put his stamp on things and and you know, again, this is a team that won three games last year has already doubled that total. What's you know, what's been kind of his his mark on all this
1: from the day that D'Amico Ryan stepped foot at NRG Stadium again as and it was introduced as the Houston Texans head coach, the energy around the building changed. Right. Here's a guy who obviously played in the league for a really long time and had his best days as a Houston Texan. And they call him Cap for a reason, short for captain, because his rookie season he was the uh, he was voted as captain here with the Houston Texans. Yeah, and so crazy. that goes to speak about his leadership ability, right? And so you look at some of the other Texan greats, whether that's J.J. Watt, who absolutely. Loves him and raves about him, and has even kind of joked about maybe I might come back for a guy like D'Amico Ryans. You talk about a guy like Andre Johnson, who, you know, between him and JJ Watt are the two greatest Texans in in franchise history. They both played with D'Amico Ryans and how much they both love him. and, 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 he is a player's coach. And so the, the guys really rally around him. He's brought a certain energy and a certain juice that this this franchise needed. You're talking about a, a team just last year who had L- Lovey Smith and towards the back end of it, if I'm being honest, the, the players, it seemed like they were starting to tune him out. And then uh, before him, it was David Culley. And we know how that worked out. So we had back to back one and done coaches. And so now you had D'Amico Ryans who comes in and, as I mentioned, has the juice that players respect. And so even though he's a defensive minded guy and, and, you know, has his. You know his, his previous experience with the San Francisco 49ers as a defensive coordinator, he's also been able to develop a, a, a relationship with C.J. Shroud and, and, and that offense. And so um, the the job that offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick has been able to do with this offense as well, going back to their days in San Francisco. So now the Houston Texans finally have some continuity, um, and and, it, and it's, it's really worked out as you see, whether that's in the wins, whether that's in the fan turnout, that we're now starting to see NRG Stadium come back to the days of when it was – the Bulls on parade when they had J.J. Watt and they had Deshaun Watson and and DeAndre Hopkins. And and there was a lot of excitement in that building. And so, yeah, when you combine a rookie head coach who is beloved around the city, a rookie QB who is, as you just mentioned, is going to be the runaway offensive rookie of the year, an exciting offense, a defense with talent. Now you get a a, a re-energized and juiced up franchise that we haven't seen in a few years.
0: Yeah, no no doubt. Those are all the ingredients you want when you're trying to kind of spark some energy, um, you know, mo- motivate a fan base, all those sorts of things. Um, before I let you go, Chancellor, and, and really appreciate your time, you know, these two teams w- we've we've laid out on an earlier episode of this podcast kind of the, the, the playoff picture. Um, both these teams are six and five. Um, they're tied with the Colts uh, in that seventh spot right now as we go into week 13. Um, Colts have that spot currently by uh, virtue of a better conference record. But, of course six games to go you know the winner of this game gets that all-important head-to-head matchup uh, or head-to-head um, check mark in the box so that if those two teams tied um, the winner of this game would kind of have that edge um, so it's huge it's 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 it, like you mentioned this could be the difference for one of these teams between making the playoffs and not with all that said what what is what is I I guess the, the biggest thing you're looking for in this game what intrigues you most about about this game and what might decide it
1: yeah, for me, I think the question is, which Houston Texan defense is going to show up, right? We've seen flashes from this uh, Texan defense where, where they've really been able to slow down um, some 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 good offenses, Offenses, whether it was against uh, the New Orleans Saints or, or at home, they put up a great performance. The Pittsburgh Steelers, now we know the Steelers don't have a, a dynamic offense, but they were able to to show up for that game. But we've also seen them struggle against Desmond Ritter and the Atlanta Falcons who you know a couple weeks later he was went on to be benched they Mm -hmm. also helped the Carolina Panthers get their lone win of the season and defensively they didn't really show up for that game either and so uh, you know obviously covering the Broncos this offense under Sean Payton and and Russell Wilson he's been able to really kind of turn things around and kind of bring back the little bit of the old Russell Wilson that we've seen and and they've they've uh, definitely had a better year this year than they've they had under Nathaniel Hackett. So the question is, can they are they able to slow him down? Are they going to be able to stop you know a, a Cortland Sutton or, or a Jerry Judy you know, on the outside? And they've been banged up. Their team overall, uh, whether it's offensively, they just lost Titus Howard for the season. They just paid him to be one of the higher-paid right tackles, and he's played left guard because they've had offensive line injuries throughout. Uh, whether it's their safety, Jimmy Ward, they signed him from the San Francisco 49ers. He's been great when he's played, but he's missed a number of games. Damian Pierce, he really hasn't been the, the the guy we saw his rookie season either. And so he's missed a number of games as well. Devin Singletary has had to step up in his in his absence. So um, will those injuries kind of impact them? And as we just mentioned, a must-win game, it's, it's at least for me, for the Houston Texans. A lot of people thought the Jacksonville Jaguars game last week was really important. But I, I thought after the Denver Broncos won a couple of weeks ago on Monday Night Football that I was like, man, that game might be the deciding factor and it just might be the Houston Texans close up their season with the Cleveland Browns who um you know is also fighting for a wild card spot they'll get another crack at the Indianapolis Colts but I think if they lose this game on Sunday they might have to win out to give themselves a, a chance so a-, a pivotal matchup uh and their biggest game of the season to me heading into Sunday
0: yeah and the Broncos would probably be saying the same thing especially because Uh, this is just the start of a three game December road trip. Schedule makers didn't do them a whole (laughs) lot of favors in that regard. So they, they have to get it, get it started the right way. So yeah, I I can't wait to be out there. Chancellor, man, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be electric, uh, huge stakes, um, you know, quarterback one, you know, one that's coming and done as a rookie one, that's looking like his younger self, the way that he's, he's resurrected, um, you know, this late stage of his career. So, uh, can't wait to see it. Look, uh, look forward to seeing you too, man. And, uh, like, like I said, thanks for
1: joining us today. Absolutely. Look forward to catching up here on Sunday.
0: All right. And we appreciate all of you for listening to another episode of the Not Another Bucking Podcast. We'll be back live from Houston after the game to break it all down. Until then, thanks for listening.